Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to the Masterclass Tactical Podcast. My name is Heydar Rabani and I'm your host as ever today. I wish we were doing this on more positive you know, circumstances, Rob. I wish we were doing yeah. this where United won. But unfortunately, as we've seen over the past seven years, consistency is something that this May United team cannot do. And how many times have we slipped up after Europe where we've had a fantastic victory? And then when you come to the weekend, we just look so out of just out of sorts and i'm just really really upset about that so uh anyway welcome because i didn't welcome you here and uh what were your thoughts on that yeah i totally agree with that i think this is something we see with manchester united quite commonly all the way through the last few seasons especially when united are back in the champions league we tend to see a hangover united are not the only club like that you know to kind of be the voice of reason on that i think it does affect lots of teams in the Champions League on the Wednesday night and then playing at the weekends, you do tend to see changes are made and performances slip. But it was a it was a disappointing one from United today, there's no doubt about it. You know, when you look at the overall performance and what the team gave Ole today, it wasn't good enough. I think Arsenal were the better side. They deserved the three points, but the margins were narrow, you know, without a penalty today. Uh, I don't think Arsenal win the game. You know, De Gea was hardly bothered, I think, throughout the whole of the match. Had a couple of saves to make. But overall, I think if United had managed just to sort themselves out in certain positions, they might have gone on and won this game. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, before we go along, just please hit the like button, hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. It's the first time we are going live and uh, we're just testing out, see if you guys enjoy it. So if you do, just chuck down the comments as well and get your questions in. We'll be answering a few. But look, Rob, let's just break it down to the, the hard, cold facts right now is that this is our worst run at home since 1972. You're looking at the table. I know you're saying six games have been played, but there's a blip or there's a poor start. And then there's, you want to see signs of recovery. And in the league, we haven't seen that for me. You're looking at it, played six, one, two, drawn one, lost three, 
Seven points from six is grim reading, no matter how you look at it. Nine goals scored, 13 conceded. Look, today was, for me, I just thought we looked so poor at possession in terms of our aggression. And I don't understand why, because we had the players in that midfield to press aggressively. There was no intensity. And we'll talk about Roy Keane now quickly. I mean, you look, for me, he's usually spot on. But what I'm sick and tired of seeing is the players consistently getting the blame. But the blame doesn't go to Oli. So he was saying things like the players don't work hard. It's a toxic dressing room. We talk about a cultural reboot like we always hear from Oli. If it was a toxic dressing room, then you'd be hearing things coming out. It's, it's a happy dressing room. So why is it that, And look, Oli deserves praise for Leipzig. And today we didn't play so well. So Oli deserves criticism. Why is it that these ex-pros who played with him cannot give themselves or see themselves criticising Oli, when at times it is him. I don't think it's necessarily all on the players today. And it just makes... It's, there's there's ex-players who play the Oli that just can't, you know, criticise him when it needs to be done. And that's something that annoys me. It's difficult. And what I will say is, is this, is that I don't think any of the pundits sat in those TV studios are pro Ole or against Ole. Uh, fans can read into it whatever they want. You know, I don't think it's a case of... Do you go after the players or do you go after the manager? You just have to kind of call it as you see it. So I think today was a failing of the players. I do not think it was a huge tactical failing. I was surprised that Ole played the same system that we saw at Leipzig just because Arsenal are a different team. They have different strengths, different weaknesses. I didn't think we'd see that replicated. Uh, what you heard after the game, Harry Maguire kind of said it was that they'd all kind of made a consensus decision with the manager that they would play the system again because it went so well obviously beating the best team in Germany or the team that had been top of the Bundesliga 5-0 gives you confidence. So they wanted to try it again. The issue with that is that people keep talking about it, that it's a diamond. And I don't think it was a diamond. I think it is 4-3-3. I think that's the way they're setting up. Because when you look at the point of the attack or the player playing the false nine, and today it was Bruno, it's not your traditional diamond, which keeps it tight and compact in the middle. And I think that's where Arsenal won did United today. So I think in terms of talking about Roy Keane's comments, I must admit, I'm not particularly bothered what Roy Keane says. To tell you the truth, I don't think it has much kind of um, basis on what the result was. I think Roy will always go after players or managers, especially at United, if he's not happy with the result or if he doesn't see the same things that he saw when he was a player. It's a kind of shtick that we see repeated that he does, that Sunez does, and that kind of all those pundits try to do. You know, I... I <laughs> and it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. What matters is what we're seeing with our eyes. And I think today we saw United, it was a failure in terms of the personnel. You know, they have to step up to the plate. They can't play one system and beat Leipzig 5-0 and then the next game play the same system and not get the same consistency and intensity. Now, Maguire said that after the game and so did Ole. So they're, they're all being completely honest about it. It's about what do you now go and do to fix it? Um, I do think United probably should have started with 4-2-3-1 today and felt their way into the game a bit more. However, had they done that, fans would have been disappointed and said, well, why are you playing two defensive midfielders against Arsenal? Well, if you've got four midfielders being pro progressive through Arsenal's midfield, you probably should have someone sitting. And they didn't today. And you saw how lopsided it was, especially in the access between Fred and McTominay, who basically played virtually the whole game holding hands. So that was a big problem. But part of the issue was for me, and we'll talk about this more in depth, 
is really what the fullbacks gave. And this is what I was tweeting about before the game. You know, in this kind of game, when you're playing a team that plays 3-4-3, your fullbacks have got to get on. They've got to get up the pitch and they've got to be good. Now, Luke Shaw was all right today, I thought. Not great. Didn't really want to commit himself. And I think as the game panned out, he was becoming more conservative. But unfortunately, as much as I love him, and I think he's going to be a, a really good player in years to come, Aaron Wambasaka is really, really bad on the front foot. He's not good enough. You know, he doesn't get into the positions. And that makes life harder. And I'm going to back him here today for someone like Victor Lindelof, who steps out with the ball. Because when he steps out with the ball, he's got to have a fullback stepping out with him. And he's not. he hasn't had that. So that's really difficult to play football from back to front, whatever your system is if players are not doing it, whether it's a confidence issue, whether it's someone kind of like, again, we look at Wambasaka specifically, you know, great tackler of the ball, great defender, but doesn't really have that primary confidence to step forward. We all, we all know his deficiencies, don't we, Rob? And this is my problem. Yeah. When, so let's actually break down that, that tactical shape that we talk about. So everyone's going diamond, diamond. We said this last week, it wasn't a diamond and it wasn't a diamond this week, or it was a diamond, but it wasn't a traditional diamond in the sense. It's not a diamond, yeah. A diamond, I'll try and explain a little bit more in in terms of what I was saying the other day to to our audience. A traditional European diamond is where you would have someone obviously sit at the base and someone sit at the top and you'd have two players supporting at the side. And those two players can go quite wide, but their job is to hold the shape of the diamond. And that allows your attacking midfielder and your defensive midfielder to go and do their jobs. Now, in principle, that's kind of what United had on the pitch. But we saw in the press that really Bruno is playing as a false nine, which is what we predicted. Uh, four, he was, three, three at the ball. That's and it was a four, three, three shape in the sense that Pogba was playing to the left of the midfield and was being pulled inside and out to try and cover. But it didn't work. Why did it not work? Because really McTominay was playing the wrong position in that free because he was coming too narrow almost as almost as uh in the normal shape of a four two three one. Yeah, exactly. And that was a problem. He should have been pushing out wider. And, and that, that meant the space between him and the fullback, yeah, was way too far. So Wamsaka didn't want to go because it's too too much space. Because if he leaves him then he's he's leaving him one on one with the with the side with the with the wide player. And that comes from players taking responsibility for their duties. Now, I think we've already changed in the shape at half time. I didn't think the shape was massively the issue. I think it was the players playing the shape itself and not playing it well. But he, he changed it to the 4 2 3 1. It certainly gave United, for, for about 15 minutes, a lot more control in the midfield and from back to front. But ultimately, players didn't play well today. And that's why Manchester United lost. You know, United didn't lose because of a formation, because of a 4 2 3 1, a 4 3 3, a 4 4 2 diamond. None of that. That wasn't why United lost today. It was just that players didn't play well enough. And as I've said to you, I think on your show before here and other shows, um, and certainly here on the Masterclass, you can carry one or two in a match, but you can't carry seven or eight. And I think today, when you look from back to front, even the guys you expect it from. So I don't think Rashford played well today. You know, I don't think Bruno played that well today. I thought we we couldn't really get Mason the kind of service that he needs in that right-hand side channel. And from the, through the midfield, you know, I think we look at Paul Pogba, you know, I think his his performance spiralled. So in the first half, I thought he was solid, even though people were criticising him on Twitter. But in the second half, I thought he was terrible because he was on the left-hand side of a free going forward, in a, a position he never plays. 
He never plays in a 4 2 3 1 never, on the, never, as, a, never, as a player on that left hand side. Never. And really, I think Ole should have taken him off a lot earlier and put Van der Beek on that side. And that would have given you balance. But he's going with Pogba because he's his guy. He's his big signing, you know, in terms of the football club. And there's always controversy when you take him off. But he went and made that decision. And I think that was a bad decision in the overall context of the game, especially when you're still in it in the last couple of minutes where if United really put together some moves and work through a tired Arsenal defence, they might have actually got, got the goal for, for an equaliser and even got two goals and won the game. Where I disagree with you, Rob, is that you say he didn't get the, the shape wrong or I, I would say the selection was incorrect, the personnel. Okay, well, we'll agree on that. Now, something that I've said many, many times on the podcast, on different shows and this one is that I don't think Fred and McTominay can play together in a holding position. There was a comment here from Kieran saying, we need one player to do the role that McTominay and Fred are doing. It worked the other week because we had Matic sitting at the base and Fred was doing the pressing. He was more combative. Fred and McTominay both have similar qualities and skills. We know that if those two are going to play together in midfield, that we're going to have a problem transitioning from defence to attack. And that was what it was about today. Could we transition trans transition well enough from defence to attack? And we just didn't do that today. My fears playing together is that there's not enough quality going forward, not enough progressive passes. And I don't think they're both positionally as good as Matic. And I've said this time and time again, and United probably should have looked at defensive midfielder because at the moment, as Kieran said, they've got two players who are good at one thing, but they're not good enough if United want to go and break down teams that sit, that sit deep. And looking at it in that first sort of 10 minutes, especially, Arsenal's front six are pressing very, very well. I thought Arsenal's front six. I thought their whole shape today was fantastic. They deserved the win, by the way. Uh, whatever anyone says, I know you can look at the statistics, United had more shots. Arsenal looked more threatening. I don't remember United looking particularly threatening in the game, apart from that 15-minute spell you talked about. You look at Arsenal, very, very compact. Strug we struggled to find a way through, and that's where we'll come on to the distribution you know, from the centre-backs. But when you've got Fred and McTominay there, who are essentially going to have to start off the attacks or take the ball off the centre-backs, it's no surprise that we couldn't break through such a compact and, and organised press. And this is, for me, where Oli had to change it. We saw at half-time it was not working, simply. I would have bought Matic on. I would have taken McTominay off. I don't know why he didn't take McTominay off. I would have put Fred a bit further forward, and I would have gone back to what we kind of did against Leipzig, and I think that could have worked. But at the end of the day, we persisted. And this is something I will say about Oli, is that when he needs to make changes, 60th minute Matic came on, too late. Then 75th minute we saw... Cavani come on and we saw Van der Beek come on. Again, too late to change the game. And by that time, we we're huffing and puffing. Arsenal had got their goal and we're sitting there and we're spamming crosses in. And I just want to ask you about that midfield too, because yes, it worked against PSG, but it worked because we we're in a three. That's why it worked. And we had the, the wing backs providing that width. We were very, very narrow today and we couldn't string passes together. Yeah, I think the reason why Manchester United looked so bad today was that technically they were inept. So you you can look at everyone individually, whether you want to look from the centre-backs all the way through to the full-backs and looking at the midfielders and the attackers and the whole shape overall and ask yourself, why are these things happening? Now, there are, you know, there are days where you have a bad day at the office. Yeah, and I, I look at that today and I think consistency is an issue with Manchester United, but I think you also got to sometimes give players the chance to either prove themselves or not. So, you know, I said originally after the Tottenham result that Oli had six games to kind of save himself because Pochettino is sniffing. Isn't it quite funny that Mr. Pochettino is now going to be the guest on Monday Night Football, putting himself in the ring, 
Exactly. And suddenly yeah. his, his lovely face becomes back on our TV screens and he's back in people's imagination. So I think yeah. there is something in that. And I do believe that, that Pochettino is talking to Manchester United in some capacity. Um, but I, I think when you kind of look at it and you kind of say what happened today, you know, if you're Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you know, and you've just won 5-0 against Leipzig, you and your players are going to be high. You're going to be ready for this game, you think, mentally. And what we saw was that there are some players who still are probably not good enough for Manchester United. So, you know, you can only go with what you've got. And, and, and I think this is where we've got to sometimes take a step back. And I do this as a journalist. And it's difficult when you're a football fan as well, because we all want to play football manager in our head. Or what would I have done? When would I have made a substitution? How would I have done it? Why did Ole not do what I'm thinking? Ultimately, it's like this. At half-time, Manchester United weren't losing the game. So even though Arsenal were the better team, Ole felt that changing the system would have an impact. Now, for that first 15 minutes, it did, no doubt about it. Arsenal looked much more muzzled. You know, they didn't have the same kind of bite. And they managed to kind of get the game under control, but without really exerting themselves in terms of being in the danger areas. United were still doing the press, but I think it's really important to highlight certain parts of the park when we have these failures at United. If your fullbacks, and I said it at the start, do not push on, it does not matter how good Fred is or McTominay or whether you've got one of them in there or two of them in there or a Paul Pogba. Your fullbacks have to be the guys going up the pitch, pulling the whole shape forward. And then when you need to come back, they're the first ones back. Yeah. And that allows people to take the shape again. That was United's technical issue today. It wasn't, it wasn't the formation. And I think in, in the last year, we've rightfully highlighted the formation over and over again, whether it's been 4-2-3-1 being too defensive, sometimes too, too counter-attacking, not enough quality in the middle of the park. Look, United started today with Rashford, who you, who you would have in the team. People like Greenwood in the team. You know, lots of people like Pogba and some don't. Everyone would have picked Bruno. This wasn't a controversial selection. This wasn't a team where you go, mm, that's what that's a that's a strange one. What I will say is this is that when you have failures like today, it means that it gives other players a chance. So I do think that Van der Beek now will start games. Yeah, I do think that Two and Zabi in the weeks to come might start games. Tellers is in quarantine. I think he might start games. There's an issue at right back because I don't think United really got adequate cover. You sent a right back on loan who has the attacking qualities that we want to see from a fullback, and he's doing it. At AC Milan. Well, you say that, saying, but, saying, but, but look, look, we, we, would you really pick low after what you've seen no, over the last year? I'm not saying we no, should replace Wamba. I, would, I wouldn't. I don't, I don't look. See, I think this is the, the way we've got to look at it, Haydar. In a sense, it's like the Chris Smalling question. Chris Smalling goes to uh, Italy, has a fantastic campaign there last season, voted the best centre back in La Liga um, in uh, Serie A at some point for a month, and people are going, oh. You sometimes but just have to push on and go, right, it's what different have I got? circumstances though, Rob, because Smalling's been in the club for, what, a decade? Yeah, but it, isn't, it is what about battery. It is what about battery. So I think with Delo, Delo did nothing for me to say that he, he could prove to play that role. So for me, he, he's defensively in yeah, it, he, you know, and, and I would say that if I want a defender on my last man on that side, do I want wan or do I want Delo? Well, I know who I'm picking. So it would be Aaron wan -Bissaka. The problem with wan is all the other things. So, you know, as a, as a fullback these days, you've got to be better on the front foot. And it means as well that when you get the ball, you can't just look inside to your central midfielder and give it to him when he's marked. And that's what Wan-Bissaka does all the time. And you saw it today. He was giving it inside to, to McTominay and to Fred. And that allows you to get blitzed. 
So you get blitzed, you lose the ball, and then they're in. And that's a problem. So I think today we saw that repeatedly in terms of there wasn't lots of mistakes, but you could see that it, they were kind of playing the games in their heads and thinking, what do I do in this position? Now, that's not good enough. You need to be instinctual. You need to be better. And I would say that Wamasaka has been at United a year now. I've not seen any improvement on the front foot in 12 months. And that's a problem for me. I think that's, that's, that's an issue. So I think you kind of look at these positions individually and kind of work them out and say, well, why did United fail today? I think there are clear answers that we see on a week-to-week basis. You could say, oh, I prefer Delo or I prefer this, or prefer that. I'll play Brandon Williams or whoever. It doesn't really matter. It's about the starters who are there every week. Can you just can you drop them? Have you got someone to bring in at that moment? Is there a better solution? I'm not sure that there is a right back at the moment, and that is a problem for Ole, and he might have to wait to next transfer window to bring someone in. I don't think we'll see Delo in a Man United shirt ever again. I think he's gone. So, you know, I'm not thinking about him. I'm thinking about the players we've got. But all the way through the team today, through the spine, the ball was passed too slowly. The duels were... You, you saw it in, in other games where Fred and McTominay have won duels. They were losing them today because they just weren't there. It could be that they're just slightly not, you know... The fitness isn't still quite there in their heads. They've had three big games and they might have just been a little bit off. Arsenal, on the other hand, they've not looked good in the last maybe two or three games. And today they looked they look like this, you know, team that are going to have a great season and they're going to go on and beat loads of teams. So they had a really good day at the office and they played really well. And obviously they've got a great new central midfielder who came in today and looked quite good. So there are there are things that we need to look at with Manchester United. And again, I have to say it. And I know there'll be a tons of fan channels going out right now, screaming and shouting, whether it be Ole Al or certain players or Paul Pogba, crying, screaming and going mad. Yes, it, the form is not good enough, but you can't be too high and you can't be too low. It's my catchphrase now. I feel terrible that we've lost, but I also do understand that today it kind of felt like it might be coming. Like even you said that before, just that feeling you kind of go, well, we just... You've had a few good games and, you know, United's consistency after Europe is never good. They always look more tired. They always look like they're short. And today, United looked short in lots of positions. You know, we could talk about Marcus Rashford. I don't think he looked great today, but we won't talk about him because there's so many other players as well who weren't great. So this is the whole thing about it. You know, we can kind of look at, you know, Mason as well. You know, I don't think we fed him enough today and he didn't really get much opportunity. And at the end of the game, they were talking about Sancho. They were going, oh, have United got Sancho? Well, it's like, I don't think that was the issue today, was it? No, you know, not. the issue was the core stuff. You need to have footballers that can control the ball, play at five yards and move. And United just weren't doing that today. It was slow. It was tedious. It was difficult for the centre-backs to play out from the back because the midfield was all over the place. Better shape in the second half, but still transition from back to front was slow, which is what it wasn't against Leipzig. It was quick against Leipzig and Leipzig found it, you know, once United were past their five in midfield, they were away, you know, and Arsenal were never going to let you do that. And the same when at Chelsea didn't let them do that the week before. I think it's very different against English clubs as it is for European clubs. And I think Ole should have maybe reacted to that before the match. They went with a system they thought that they could hurt Arsenal with, but it didn't work. Rob, we have to ask serious questions regarding the midfield because you look at those options and those options for me and the depth there matches any top team in the Premier League. So why can't United control the midfield? I think that's a serious, serious question you have to ask. And that, that is where I tweeted out, I'm not saying I'm Oli out, I'm not saying this or that, I'm not anything. I just want to see United do well. But at the end of the day, 
the, like I say, the facts don't lie. Where we're sitting in the situation, obviously our form is terrible in the league. We can't lean on our Champions League success because it's quite clear that when we go there and we set up, it's, like you said, the English teams will know how we're going to set up. It, it didn't work. But my issue is that you look at the midfield options that we've got. You should be controlling a midfield with Bruno Fernandes, Paul Pogba, even a Fred or a Matic. You know, you should be doing that. And what are the excuses now? I'm not I'm not saying you're making excuses. And people was, are saying in the comments, oh, Rob's Ollie in. He's only going to be blaming the players. That's absolute nonsense. If you, if you guys go back to all the episodes I've done with Rob, we've sat here and he said, Ollie has six games to save his, his career at United as a manager. Pochettino's wanted. He's sitting there waiting for the job. And as you said, he's on Monday Night Football. I'm sure he's going to break down, tactically say, oh, this is how I would have done it here. This is how I would have done it there. That's not the point. I don't want to talk about that. But serious questions have to be asked about that midfield. And after we got smashed by Spurs, I feel like Oli's gone back completely in his shell. And it reminds you of when when United got smashed by Leicester under Van Hull, and then he just went completely defensive. And now Oli seems mm. to have just gone completely defensive. And we can talk about the United way and all this rubbish, but we're not playing attacking football. We, yeah, but the got... shape today, the shape today wasn't defensive. The it wasn't was... a defensive shape. What, what the problem today was that the United players couldn't control the football and pass it. So this is the problem. When we talk about consistency and we talk about what managers can do in impacting games, you know, if if you're carrying one or two players, like I said earlier on. You can get away with it. You might take them out of the game and bring in someone else. But when you've got several players who were just having a really bad day, it makes you look entirely poor from back to front. And I think this was the case with United today. And we're seeing it, like you're saying about form. Form is a visceral thing. So in the Champions League, we got six points and we look like the best team in a group of death. You know? And then in the league, we're like you know bottom half. And in the early parts of the season, and we, we can't buy a win at Old Trafford. So those are, are concerning things. And those are the kind of things that eventually get you to sack. So if you can't manage that situation, if Ole can't get the players playing consistently over a long period of time, and I have said this in previous episodes when we talked about United, you know, having that long run last season, people going, oh, yeah, but what's consistency? Well, if we only want to look at it over a six-game period, then okay, that's fine. But that's not reality. That's not how football clubs work. They don't look at themselves just over six games. Maybe later on in the season, you might look at a six-game period. And I said, I think Ole's got six games to save his job because there's a unique situation that this top elite manager is sat on the sidelines now doing punditry and he's a, and he's looking for a job. And he wants to work for Manchester United and Edward Wood loves him. So those all things kind of knit together perfectly, don't they? But you're just saying there about the midfield. You know, have you put your best midfield out? And I don't think anyone before the game was looking at Pogba, McTominay and uh, and Fred and going, I don't trust them after Leipzig. No, I was, I was happy with the, the lineup. What I was what I was unhappy with, it's, supposed, it's always that thing about the execution, the planning and the execution. I don't think the planning was poor, but at the end of the day, when we went to that diamond, as Gary Neville said, didn't he, that McTominay was so, literally, as you said, holding Fred's hand. And at the yeah. end of the day, like he just wasn't performing his, what he had to do. So at half time, we weren't playing well, make a change. And we didn't make that change. And that was, that was my issue with it. That, yeah, but I, I, I think, like, 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 I explained that to you just a minute ago, you know, and then you, 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 look at half time you're not losing the game right and you and you would identify it's a shape issue for you this is what i'm thinking ole you know it's what ole's thinking about at that point you know and you could make a change i said you could easily drop matic in there now and take out mctominay and and probably just change the shape and allow matic to sit you know at the base of this kind of mythical diamond that everyone wants to talk about all the time 
So you could have done that, but he chose not to. And United looked good for 15 minutes. So it did work. The change did work. It's just that it's not the change you would have made or I would have made. So you have to sometimes, at the end of a game, especially when you've lost, not just think, oh, well, he got that wrong at that point because I I still want to say to the players, you know, why were they not up to scratch today? That's more what I'm bothered about, you know, today. And that's not to defend Ole. I am not Ole in, I'm not Ole out. And put it this way, if United lose the next three or four games, then Ole's going to get sacked and we're going to get Pochettino and we're going to have to live with that and get on with life. And I will be scrutinising Pochettino in the same way I scrutinise Ole, in the same way I did it with Jose, in the same way I did it with Louis van Gaal and, and Moyes. It's just the way it is. You have to be, it should be objective. No, that's it. You know, the terms of being subjectivity about football is that we all know what we know and we all try and apply it to what we see. But quite often, we're not always right as well. I say this about myself. I'm not always right about football, you know, in the same way that every manager and every player isn't always right. I think, for me, why did United play so poorly today? And I think it's how certain players are playing their roles. So that's why I want to talk more about Wan-Bissaka. I think you can talk about Luke Shaw. I think you can talk about Freddie McTominay. But the whole thing from back to front kind of stank today. It was slow. It was tedious. They looked nervous. And as Arsenal got better through the first half, United kind of went back into their shell. And I think that is a repetitive issue that we've seen with United for several years. It's not It's not an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer thing. We've seen it for a long time. And we have to kind of say, why? Why are we in that scenario at that point? Manchester United only lost this game 1-0 because of a really, really poor penalty that Paul Pogba gave away. And for me, Paul Pogba should not be back there putting his foot in like that. He's big enough. He should be staying on his feet. And that's what Ole said after the game. And United have lost this game because of that. And there was, I don't know why the VAR decision didn't overturn the Matic foul later in the game. Because when you actually see it, you know, and I'm a big advocate of VAR. He clearly gets clattered with the trailing leg. It's clearly a foul anywhere on the pitch and it should be a penalty. So then you might draw the game one all. I would say this as well. I think the the, the substitution order that Ole did later in the game, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't hot on. You know, I think he brought off two players. I think when you're trying to score a goal, I'd like to see maybe Bruno and Mason somehow stay in there. But he was worried about transition because Arsenal were going through that midfield like butter, like a knife through butter. And that's a problem for any manager. You know, you don't want to kind of just slit your own throat. But United were going for the win or going for the draw at the end because of the kind of being the architects of the situation by not playing well in the first half and allowing Arsenal tons of the ball, tons of the territory. And Arsenal were just technically better on the day. You know, you look at like uh, um, their midfield and you look at players like Holding and Elne and players like. And then, Brilliant game. They're, they're players that you wouldn't have in your team at, at Manchester United. You would not have any of them. You'd be like, I don't want them. They're not good enough for Manchester United. Yet they were really, really good for Arsenal today and part of them, the reason why Arsenal won the game. But that's where you come in with the system, right? Like Arteta had the system and it worked today. United, it just didn't work. But look, I want to sort of talk about how Arsenal countered United because I sort of noticed that United didn't have much width in the game. For me, that was a bit of a problem. And they were looking, they looked so narrow. Everything was central. When, As you said, when it went out to the fullbacks, when you're playing that, I guess, a diamond, I don't want to call it a diamond, but that sort of system, you need more from the fullback going forward, which we just didn't have. And, you know, Arsenal were trying to force us wide, I thought, but United were just, they were just so passive today, Rob. There was no intensity. And what did Arsenal do that, do to sort of 
put United off their game because I do think that the pressing from the, the front six was fantastic. And then even when you, early on when Mason got the ball, sort of trying to hold it up. And that's something as well. I do want to bring Martial into this because the hold-up play today wasn't good enough from Mason or from Rashford. No. Gabriel was very, very quick. Gabriel and Holding were very, very quick onto them. And that was something that is a problem. And Martial has his critics. Martial is someone who we think can blow hot and cold, but something very underrated about his game is his ability to hold the ball up. We've seen it many, many times. He's fantastic at it, bringing others into the game. Immediately, we didn't have, even when the ball did go up to Rashford and, Mars, uh, Rashford and Greenwood, we just couldn't hold, keep hold of it. And that was a problem. And Arsenal were very aggressive and we were passive. Yeah, I, I think the shape of United today, playing that kind of 4-3-3, you know, diamond system that people want to call it. In Europe, it worked because United were trying to get past the five across the middle for Leipzig. Now, Arsenal didn't play with five across the middle, so they played with four. And what they were doing was they were playing from their back three into their central midfield four, you could say. And those seven players were just technically a lot better than Man United's players in those positions. So United pressed the ball really well today. They were going high up the pitch and meeting those, those defenders. But Arsenal were just passing through them and passing between the lines. And then when the ball was coming into the midfield, it was really, really difficult then for Pogba, Fred and McTominay to have kind of any impact because they're kind of on the back foot. So again, systems, what can you do? Well, you can change it. And that's what he did. He went to a 4-2-3-1. And the reason why he did that was just to put those two midfielders at the base uh, of the midfield to just give United a bit more space to go short, to take things shorter and then get into the wider positions. But even in that formation... Your fullbacks mean everything. They've got to get forward. It's the same problem. Every point you're bringing up here and we're discussing come back to the same issue over and over again, and that is that your fullbacks have to do more. Yeah. Now, ironically, that this this is the issue. So we've brought Tellers. Now, Tellers, we know, is in quarantine. He can't play. In a 4-3-3, three, three, Tellers might get exposed on that left-hand side defensively. He's not as good as Shaw defensively. But in this kind of game today, he would have absolutely been dragging the play that way forward because that's what he does naturally. But today, that's not an option. So you can't play that. So these are things that Ole has to kind of juggle with, you know, in terms of what his systems are and what he does week to week. And I think kind of after winning 5-0, one of the things that Maguire said after the game, which I thought was really interesting, was that he said, maybe we've just been patting ourselves on the back too much the last two or three days because we've just beaten Leipzig 5-0 and here we've come here today and the concentration wasn't good enough. And I think it's really interesting when players use certain buzzwords. So he talked about concentration and quality and passing. And they were kind of the words that he was using because obviously in the game, that's what he's thinking about. Why is the ball not sticking today? Stuck against Leipzig. And against Arsenal, it's not sticking. I just think there was a kind of breakdown in the quality of Manchester United today. And it wasn't really about systems overall. You know, we can we can say Ole could play two or three or four different systems. And I think in our last episode, we were saying what a positive that is that United can play all these systems now. Now, Arteta's playing this 3-4-3. Three, three, and there's been times when it's looked awful this season, like horrendous. And you've gone, what are you doing? But now today, people are saying, oh, it's a philosophy. He's sticking to his philosophy. I just think it's a little bit of everything. You know, if you win a game, people pat you on the back. And if you lose, you get shot, you know, and that's kind of how football works these days. I do think Ole, 100 games in, we need to see more from his players in terms of consistency. And in the big games, generally, they've been really good in the last 12 months. But, you know, the one team United have not been good against in that period is Arsenal. 
So these Arsenal players, whether they're under this manager or the previous manager, they've they feel good against Manchester United, Matt one to one in the matchup. Yeah. And they proved it today. They were really good in terms of keeping possession of the ball and playing between the lines. Um, and they looked, I think, all the way through the game, maybe the last 10 minutes, they looked a bit tired. And I think if United had actually put together some moves, which they didn't, and I think that's a worrying sign as well in the last 10. Uh, you know, they threw Cavani on. They tried to kind of change this Maverick system. They went long. That was one thing I didn't like last 10, 50 minutes. Centre-backs going long into corners for headers. And, and I just think... Is that really the way you win games or score goals these days? But that's why people are are rightfully asking the questions. You talk about, but that's the player's decision at that moment. Yeah, when a player goes long, that's that's the the, the manager isn't stood on the sideline going, hit it long. He's not saying that. He's saying you've got to make the decision because we've done training all week. You know who the weakness is in the back for. So target that or play it short. I think we saw. I think in the last minute, McTominay got the ball and he drove the he drove the ball all the way to the halfway line. And it was tons of acres of space in front of him. And he tried to play a kind of, I would say, a Pirlo-esque ball between the lines into the... And it's like, why are you playing that ball? Just drive it. Keep driving until you're on the edge of the box and then play a shorter pass because that's what you're better at. And we didn't see that. And I think that last 10 minutes, obviously there's a comment there from Ben, and it's just saying, there, you know, 10 minutes, we were dreadful last 10 minutes. And I thought we were. And that's part of the time when you, when, when you, you, know, you roll the dice... Cavani came on, had no impact today. And I think it's kind of when you look at it, there were reasons for that. And that's because there were so many players having a bad day that you can't string it all together. I would have preferred United to maybe stuck with the primary attackers that it had on and maybe tweak the midfield somehow, you know, bring on Van der Beek, play Van der Beek a bit deeper. I didn't think Van der Beek needed to be a like for like for Bruno. You know, I think that you could have played him on the left-hand side. He's done that for Ajax. And I probably would have pulled Pogba in the last 20 minutes. That's probably the substitution I would have made at that point. But Ole didn't want to make that choice. That, that's on him. And he understands that's on him. So it is difficult. And I think when you've just won 5-0, there is always sometimes this kind of, like I said, this back slapping that goes on in football. We think, well, we're, we're really good now. We're really great. And we, we're going to get on and win this game. But it didn't work. And I had a bad day. You know where, where we argued, well, no, I didn't say argued, where we disagreed last week was on that point of consistency. And I still maintain, Rob, that the consistency isn't there. It, you know, yeah. we, where, we, where, we, where we clashed on it a little bit. And my issue is that I, I know that this United side are so woefully inconsistent. And <laughs> you stopped me last week from saying, oh, could United go and do the, the crazy and win the Champions League? And the, the thing is that in a one-off game, this United team can beat anyone. There's quality in the squad. We've said this a lot of times. You look at the depth. There's quality in the squad to challenge for honours this year, looking at the landscape of English football right now and in Europe, where Real Madrid and Barcelona aren't what they were. In the in the league as well, teams aren't as strong as they, they were. But we're so inconsistent. And this is, this is where you have to question, and these are the valid questions I ask that, why can't we... Why can't we why can't we play midweek and win? And then, and then, why we look so out of out of sorts on the weekend? It's a problem. And every time we, Oli seems to be on on the brink. I'm not saying Oli out. I'm not. But it's a question I ask. And then suddenly we you kind of are. are. You kind of are. You kind, said I'm not Oli out, but you know he's not getting it right. Uh, sorry, go on. You, you finish what your point was. Isn't it? Looking at looking at the start of the season, Rob, we're in fifteenth. I know you're saying six games. We're in fifteenth. The table doesn't lie. And I know it's a 30, 38 game season, but there's quality in this squad, and this is what frustrates me. And I would not be saying this if Pochettino wasn't sat there waiting for a job. Mm. 
And I'm not saying that, you know, suddenly Poch comes in and all changes, but I'm just struggling. I'm really struggling. What, what, really- I'll, say is this, what I'll say is this, right? You give Pochettino the job, right? Yeah, sack Ole tomorrow. Give him the job. You are going back two years. Yeah, you, you, whatever progress United have made in the last one or two years, whether that be in terms of just individual players, I would say that Ole has improved the vast majority of these, this squad individually. When you look at each player, you know, we used to say about Mourinho, didn't we? It doesn't improve players individually. You know, he might have improved McTominay at that point, but there were lots of other players that we said came through his squad and they were not improved. I think that Ole has improved that uh, the kind of overall mindset of the Manchester United dressing room. Like we said there that they were happy. But overall, if you give the job to Pochettino, you have to say that you give him two years and that if you lose games like you've lost today, you have to take it on the chin. Now, this is the problem with football is that we are so reactionary. We do think in terms of six and seven and eight games and not 20s and 30s and 40s. And certainly at Manchester United, where there's this huge expectation, you know, we talk about, you know, are we Oli in or Oli out? It doesn't really matter, does it? Because if Oli loses, he's out. Doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter if you think he's consistent or I think he's consistent. You know, I I just think you can only look at records on a much longer basis. And you're saying we clashed on that. You know, I would say that you know if you do come third after a really bad start, which was last season, and I keep saying it, you have a better record than Liverpool had over that uh, period, and a better li- uh, record than Manchester City had over that that period. That is whether you are consistent or not. That for me, you know, as a journalist, yeah. I understand that fans will be really upset today. And I thought United were terrible. United didn't deserve to win. And some days you go out there, you don't deserve to win. But say United go out in the next game and win 6-0, is it, is it suddenly fixed? I would say no as well. This it, is a problem. We've all got swept up in this 5-0. We have completely smashed. A lot. I don't think we have. I haven't. Sorry, I've not got swept up. I, I, 5-0 and you go, yeah, great result. Let's get on with business. That's what football is, right? It's like these guys are going and train every day. They don't think like fans. You know, they get high... And then they get low. And I think like we looked at today, you know, you could say that the players reacted a bit like the fans. That's what Harry Maguire was saying, patting ourselves on the back. Man United fans going, maybe we'll win the Champions League. (laughs) We shouldn't be thinking about any of this stuff at the moment. It's too early. Calm. We need to kind of look at stuff over a much long period. Whenever you work in any kind of business and you use data, you look at data over a long time, don't you? We look at big data. We look at long periods. You've done that in your job, yeah, in the past? You have to look at it like that. You can't look at yesterday. You can't look at tomorrow. You have to kind of stretch the differentials. I think Manchester United have a squad that still needs improving, but I think has been improved over the last year or two. But it does mean that you might come up against an Arsenal who on a good day will beat you. Arsenal, for some reason, have got the hex over United in the last 12 months. United have not been able to do anything good against this Arsenal team. So I don't know why that is. You know, I think you can kind of look at the maths until you're blue in the face and it won't matter. Ultimately, these players feel like they've got one up on United. However, United have gone and played Manchester City three times last year and beat them. You know, they beat Tottenham last year and this year get beaten 6-1. It's a kind of, it's all over the place still. And applying science to it, I think we can only do over long periods of time. That's all I'll say on it. You know, I know we've got different opinions and that's cool. There's no problem with that. And I think when you that's lose, fun, yeah. yeah, when you lose, you you absolutely putting your, your kind of your neck on the chopping block for, for Ole and people that he's there to be shot at. He totally understands that. And he does understand that if he doesn't fix these things, he's gone. Roy Keane, as you talked about at the start there, he said these players are going to get Ole the sack. And do you know what? If they don't play well, that's exactly what will happen, you know. And with Pochettino emerging from the dust, and I think that that's a really important thing to kind of highlight without 
without going too deep into it because you can't read too much into it. But because he's back and he will be ready for a job, that's really what Ole's looking at over his shoulder. He felt it at the end of last season. We heard that, that he was worried about the Pochettino factor. And if Manchester United lose games, I'm absolutely assured that he will lose his job. And then we'll be talking about this in Pochettino terms. But then we'll be saying stuff like, well, we need to give it a year again now. I'm a bit bored of that. You know, you change managers every two years, every year, every two years. You can never really find consistency. Not real, not real stuff. You know, when Klopp came in at Liverpool, there were people after a year saying, get rid of him. There was. Yeah, they're there not consistent enough. They were saying it that Klopp needs to go, and then obviously won. But the thing is, Rob, as we say this, but I just feel like when we compare, like Klopp I'm not comparing Ole to Klopp. I must say that okay. first and foremost, because people will say that oh, he's not Klopp. But that, it's just the thing that we do in football. Yeah, I mean, I want to read this comment out, but Onka, guys, thank you very much for all your comments. It's been really great. The engagement's been great. Make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, because we're going to try and get to 1K, hopefully, in the next couple of months, maybe soon, if you guys help us. So I'm going to read this out. One bad result. And me and Onka, we always, he's, he's a really great guy. We always sort of go back and forth on Twitter. And I think we do disagree on some points. This is where I disagree with, you know, that one bad result, because today isn't one bad result. This is what I'm trying to say. I know you're going to say it's six games, but it isn't. The league form is really, really shoddy, uh, Rob. And what I praised Oli for is the fact that he, he can be flexible. And some people use that against him. They say, oh, he's, he doesn't know his first 11. That's nonsense, actually. His yeah. flexibility, his ability to change it when he can, it is fantastic. Yeah. What, I, what I'm struggling with at the moment, though, is the league form for me is your bread and butter. And he's just not getting it right. And... We've got a difficult game next week. I mean, when when do you say enough is enough? You said well, let, let's look at the results, right? Let's look at the results for this season, yeah? And can you still see me there at the moment? Because I yeah, have... Yeah. Uh, right, yeah, so yeah. I'm reading this off uh, one of the tactical websites that we use. So in pre-season, United had one pre-season game and they lost that to Aston Villa 1-0. Not good, yeah? Next game, obviously the first home game in the season, lost 3-1 to Palace. That's worrying. That wasn't a very good result. United didn't play well. They looked tired. They looked miles off the pace. Then they go and beat Luton 3-0 away from home. Then they go and beat Brighton 3-2 away from home. Then they beat Brighton 3-0 away from home. Then they hit the skids. They lose 6-1 to Tottenham. But then the last five, and this is obviously including the Arsenal result, they beat Newcastle 4-1. They beat Paris Saint-Germain 2-1. And I don't think Paris Saint-Germain have been beaten since the early 2000s at home. They drew 0-0 with Chelsea in what was a real dead rubber of a football match. And then they beat Leipzig, who were the best team in the Bundesliga at that point, 5-0. Today, again, is not the end of the world. And it also shouldn't be kind of, you know, we carry all this stuff on our shoulders. And and this is why we wanted to do this podcast to kind of break down the differentials, because it's really, really easy to just react emotionally when you lose. We all do it. You know, in that last minute, we t- I just talked to you about McTominay. I was screaming at Scotty, going, drive the ball, because he should have driven the ball, but he made the bad decision. Uh, when you piece it all together, it's all little plays, isn't it? Football is a game of, like, little decisions and making them all work. And Arsenal were better than Man United at that today. But that doesn't mean Arsenal were better than Man United. No, <laughs> so this is, this is what I mean. So Arsenal were a better team today, and they seem to outfox United tactically for the last year. That's interesting. But... I think when you look at it, you kind of look at United's next re- games coming up, and I'll, I'll read them out to you here again. So Istanbul, so that's that's a very winnable game. So I, I would say in that six-game period, which I said was from Newcastle, the Istanbul result is the kind of six of that period. So if he wins that, he would have only lost one of those six games, which is obviously today. 
and he lost that game by a penalty. It's not the worst thing in the world. I know, I'm not all in, you know, I'm just saying no, that this is, these are facts. So we have to look at facts. And the thing is, you just have to kind of condense your emotions on it and say, right, what is working and what's not working? And I still think more things are working at the moment than are not. You could see Harry Maguire was gutted after the game. But you know what, Harry? You're the captain. Go in there. I'm sure he would have spoken to people because he is. He's a talker. He's not a shouter and a screamer like Roy Keane was. But now our leaders have to come to the fore. I don't think Bruno Fernandes was great today. So Bruno has to look at himself. You know, does Ole say, do you know what? You weren't great today, so I'll drop you. I'll, sit, I'll put you on the bench and I'll play Van der Beek. No, he does that. Manchester United Twitter will go absolutely crazy, won't it? And be like, how have you dropped our, our talisman? There's not always a lot of choices, even though Ole has got a big squad. And there are other things we can kind of talk about in, the, I think, in the fusion of the tactics. Um, Ole could have done things a little bit differently today. But I just think there were just too many players who didn't play well. And you have to look at the medical reports after the game and say, well, why was that? You know, why did players blow hot and cold today? Paul Pogba, as I said, in that second yeah. half, you can see he was kind of stretched in his limitations. And actually, the penalty comes from him playing in a formation that he's not really familiar with. So he's chasing back a fullback into the box. And you don't want that. That's not really what you want. You want him goal side. So at that point, you know, he puts his foot in and Bellerin is cleverly gets there first, gets a slight bit of contact. It is a penalty. There's no doubt about it for me, but less of a penalty. I think the Matic further up the pitch, who got taken out by a trailing leg. And I will say this as well. I don't know how Gabriel wasn't sent off. You know, it's a second yellow for that sliding tackle through the back. Yeah, Mason. Mason's done him. Mason's in on the goal. He's going into the penalty box. And Gabriel stops him with an illegal means with not even playing anything like the ball. It's a, it's a yellow card, so he should have been off. If they're down to 10 men, United might rescue this game and again even win it. So these differentials are difficult because we kind of we want to kind of stick it all together and glue all the facts together. Sometimes they're just conveniently not always there when we're trying to look for narratives. And I don't think it was the worst performance ever. But it were, certainly wasn't good enough. And that's that's what we have to kind of look at and say, why was it not good enough? You bring up Paul Pogba. So let's go on Paul Pogba because mm -hmm. Gary Neville asked, can Pogba play in a three? I tweeted out, it's not a Pogba issue today. This was during the first half because he showed that he could against Leipzig. I thought it was the personnel, the selection. I think when you've got Fred and McTominay behind him, I think that he, he looks more comfortable with Matic. And I've said this. Now, I protected him and I said, look, Whenever something goes wrong, it's always Paul Pogba's fault. But today he dropped an absolute disaster class. And the question that's in the comments and the questions that people do ask is, what do what do you do with Paul Pogba? Because there's no doubting how phenomenally talented he is. There's no doubting how he can change a game in a flash. But there are probably fair enough assumptions to say, you know, maybe he's better off the bench. Maybe he comes on and then he just jumps straight into the action and gets getting further forward because I'm, the question is, can you rely on him to be disciplined in a game? I completely agree with you. You put him out on the left the left flank, and I just thought that was really, really strange. And then you keep him on when Bruno, you bring Bruno off. And I think United have got a bit of a problem with Pogba in terms of not his attitude. He works very hard, not in terms of his ability. We know he's got it. But what do you do with him, Rob? Because I'm looking at it. I looked at the team sheet today. I genuinely did. And I said before the game, I'm happy with that. Completely happy with it. I thought the midfield was there. They work hard. The The problem was always, can they transition? Can we progress from attack to the uh, defence to attack quickly? And that's why I wanted to see. And we didn't do that today. But looking at Pogba and Bruno, we've seen they can play together. But 
this is where Ollie needs to find a solution because we can't keep on going into games with Fred McTominay and, and Bruno because there's just not enough creativity. Alternatively, what do you do with Van der Beek as well? Does he come in now instead of Pogba because Pogba had a bad game? I don't want to, I don't think we should do that because that's again being reactionary. But I think a lot of people now are struggling to see if Pogba's a starter in, in the starting 11. Well, look, I've always defended Paul Pogba. I think Paul Pogba had a shocking game today. He wasn't very good and he got worse and he cost United a game. And he did because it was his tackle. I, I tweeted after the game. I believe that players have to take responsibility for their performances. That's how way I always look at it. I don't, I don't, I don't think players should be blindly defended or anything like that. I, I think you have to kind of take it. I don't think Paul Pogba played badly today because of Fred McTominay. I think Fred McTominay didn't play well today because of Fred McTominay. That's how it is. You take responsibility of your own performances. I think playing Pogba the left hand side of a three. I think what Ole maybe is showing in the last few weeks is that he intends on playing Pogba on that left-hand side, which is where he played for Juventus. There's no doubt that he is a better player on the left-hand side than he is in central midfield. People, again, always talked about him being this kind of this kind of fulcrum in the middle of the park. And it wasn't something that he really developed as a, as a kid. You know, he can play as the 10, he can play as the 8, but he's always been better, maybe a little bit deeper. People will say, no, he's not a defensive midfielder. Well, I think when you play 4-2-3-1, if Pogba's in your team, you have to play him as the 2. And this is the problem. People go, well, well, that doesn't work then for me either because I don't think he's good enough defensively. Well, you have to create from that number six role. You can't just be a destroyer. So that is where you could play Matic and Pogba because the balance is better. But then people will say, oh, but Fred, I've seen it all over today. Yeah. People saying to me, Fred's a baller. Fred's our best midfielder. Fred says Fred's. So it's all reactionary rubbish. Yeah. No, yeah, Fred is good. I think he's absolutely earned his place. And I will say that I think McTominay's earned his place this season. They've had some big games. You know, they were huge parts of some really big victories for us this season. And today, they dropped one. Yeah, they didn't play well. So you either have to react to that or you kind of say, right, what do I do next? I would like to see United persist with some kind of formation that sees United maybe play out from the back with a three. I like Arsenal's formation. Yes. I like 3-4-3. Three, three. I, I like seeing a back three because a back three allows you to play through the lines. It also would allow Man United to play two and Zabie. Exactly. Right? I want to see two and Zabie start playing games. Now, yeah. I get why he's not playing because he's just coming back from fitness issues. And that's right. You know, you have to look after this boy. There's no doubt about it. But if you play three at the back... That gives you a bit more balance. It means that when Tellers comes into the team, you can play with that wide player on the left who's going to go up and down and travel, give you an extra man coming back. There's your balance. It means you can then take one of Fred, Mc... you can take one of Fred out or McTominay and maybe drop Pogba into that position with a little bit more protection around him. Matic is a problem. Why? Because of his age, because of his fitness over the last year or so, he can only really play once a week. So you're going to have to bite the bullet. If you play him in against Leipzig, you can't play him against Arsenal. You can't do it. I'd have liked him to have played, but he got we got 45 minutes or so out of him or half an hour today, and he played well. You know, you can see that he suits that role more than that. I think the only reason why Fred came off, by the way, was because he had a yellow card, and because he's got this combative style, it's just easy, isn't it, for him to put his foot in, get another yellow card, United are down to 10 men, game's over. But I think when you look at the balance, you know, going forward... You know, where does Cavani fit into all of this? Where does Martial fit into it? There's more to come back for United than there is to kind of take out. That's the way I look at it. And I do think that you have to find a way to get Van der Beek in this team now. Whether you play 
uh, a more kind of 3-4-3 formation where you play from uh, three centre-backs from out the back and wing-backs, you could still fit uh, Van der Beek in there. Whether you play um, Bruno as a false nine, and, and today was the first time he's really played it in the Premier League as a false nine, but he can do it because he's done it plenty of times for his former club. Or do you, These are all the kind of formations that things that Ole has to think about to make it work. And he's got options. And there's certainly more options than, say, when we lost 6-1 to Tottenham not so long ago, where it really did feel like, where is this United team going? You know, it really could crash and burn from this point. And you could find that Ole gets sacked very, very quickly. He still might get sacked. But there are options. There's, there's players to come in who should bring some upside. And I think you just play players on merit. You know, if a player doesn't play well, you drop him. You know, Pogba doesn't play well and you need to think, you know, it, uh, it doesn't work for me on the left-hand side. You give someone else a chance because the, the squad has got some depth to it now that it certainly didn't have maybe in the last two years. At the end of the Mourinho era, you know, someone uh, tweeted that today and United played Darmian and Delow on one sure. side on a, in a 4-4-1-1. That was Mourinho's last formation. And I just looked at that and went, God, I have forgotten about that, but why would you ever pick that and that's because that's what Mourinho was doing at that point he was picking strange selections playing strange formations and we were going United have had one shot on target today United had eight goal scoring opportunities again you take one of those eight and it's a different narrative isn't it you know we could still say United didn't play well but results are everything at the moment Ole needs to find results and he needs to get this kind of past this voodoo you can't beat Leipzig 5-0 and then lose to Arsenal 1-0, and then people talk about your home form because you just proved against one team you can do it, but the other team beat you. Balance again, you know, certainly in narratives. It's not, I don't think it's a home or away thing. It no, really is. It's, it's just consistency. And, and when you talked about consistency, it's fine talking about it in terms of player consistency. You know, Fred didn't play well today. Does that mean Fred is a bad player? No. You know, that's, the, that's consistency at the end of the day when we talk about it like that. But the results of, you know, over a long period of time have been good. But Ole has to maintain it. And if he doesn't main maintain it, there is this guy who's going to be sat in the Sky Studio on Monday who will undoubtedly be asked about the job. And I'm sure he'll give this response. And that is, you know, I'd love to be back in the game. I'd love to be at a big club, but I've not spoken to anyone at Manchester United. <laughs> Unka's got a good question here. You talk about, you know, no, I'm not saying anyone to get sacked, but you've got to ask these questions. But what needs to change? I completely agree. And we've spoken many, many times about this three at the back. You talk about meritocracy, right? And that's how people should be selected. It shouldn't be about the name. And I, I'm happy that Axel wasn't rushed back in. But now we're, what, three games since the PSG game? That back three is where I felt we were more co most comfortable, as you mentioned. That's where we had the most protection as well for, for the defence. Tellez is out injured. I understand the four at the back for me. And this is why when people talk about that diamond, I mean, Uncle's asking what, what needs to change, but that diamond for me, it's, it's FIFA. It's football manager. Mm -hmm. Oh, we've got this amount of midfielders. We'll put them in here. They'll work like this. It doesn't work like that. And we've seen, and you mentioned it and what went wrong today. Well, what went wrong today is that we went for not a diamond, but that we didn't do the basics, right? The intensity was low. We couldn't get the ball through the distribution from centre-back to midfield wasn't good enough. That was the first thing for me. The second thing was that we struggled with the press of, of the opposition teams. We've struggled since Southampton after the restart. Since the team started pushing us, pressing us um, high up the pitch, we struggle. And then the other thing as well is the fullbacks didn't offer enough going forward. 
And that is a big, big problem. When people say we pay this diamond, and I've said this many times on a different show mm -hmm. that I do on this channel, and the boys agree with me, we shouldn't pay a diamond because our fullbacks aren't good enough going forward. You're asking them to do something they're just not capable of doing. So with all this put together, you've got a question as well, then why do we go with this sort of formation in the game? Because well, that, yeah, you yeah, just that, that, highlighted like five problems. In about three seconds, you know, and this is the, this is the bigger issue for Manchester United. And when you look at the kind of the, the patterns of play, I, I call this a 4 3 3 simply because of the setup and the way that the press is. Now, we always think about the press being the front three, and I don't think United have a problem with the press at the front. Yeah, the press in midfield is what's poor. So when the ball gets through that first set, it's too easy for midfield to then pick you apart, and then they pick you apart in, in terms of width. You know, and that's really like Arsenal didn't have tons of width today, but you could see just in terms of the movement of whether it be Lacazette kind of moving into channels or Aubameyang kind of looking to get round the side of his marker or even Saka kind of coming into the box late. United were not dealing with any of that at all. And it all comes from the second wave press. So 4-3-3 is the hardest formation to play in football. Right. And this is why not every team can play it because you have to be talented and you have to work really hard. So when it's worked for United in this kind of faux diamond and everyone wants to call it that, it's generally because United have worked out the opponent, played short, played the ball short and then exploited the factor of pace and got round and the back. So when you think about United against um, Leipzig. United just did that. They kind of soaked it up and then they were able to break. Now, it wasn't classic counter-attack, but what it does, it allows you to use your pace to go and hurt the opponent. Now, United couldn't do that today because they couldn't make the ball stick. Yeah? We saw so it from Rashford was phenomenal, wasn't it? Which and when, when United yeah. get past, past midfield, so I guess the yeah. second But line... we don't want Rashford playing that ball. We want Rashford on the other end. We want someone in the midfield playing that ball. We want Pogba to play that ball. So it's all about role playing at the end of the day. I think sometimes Marcus in those situations does too much. You know, he starts putting And I also think Paul Pogba in the second half was pushing too hard. You could see him getting too tight to players. That's why he considered the penalty, overworking himself. But of course, if he doesn't overwork, what do people say about Paul Pogba? He's lazy. So it's difficult. So it's really difficult for players to kind of stick or twist sometimes. But it's about players playing their role. And today, the players didn't play their role. There were several who just didn't do it. If your fullbacks, and it keeps coming back to the same issues, if your fullbacks do not push on, they do not give you the shape to go and do that, then the rest of it falls apart. And that's why McTominay was too close to Fred. That's why Pogba was kind of on the left, but getting isolated. You know, he was neither a kind of left-sided winger type and he certainly wasn't kind of playing in the channel of the midfield he was kind of getting stuck somewhere in between the two that's not really his fault it's just the shape of the team's lopsided so Ole had to change stuff and United you know when we did make those changes you can see that Van der Beek came in but didn't really have a lot of impact because he's getting used to the systems as well so it's tough for him and Cavani was just like running and kind of like going well you know, just playing as a nine and chasing and running, and ch but nothing, no real impact at all. So that's more worrying for me as a United fan, but as someone who kind of looks at the kind of stats of the game. If United take one of those chances, you know, and we didn't make many chances today, even though there were eight goal scoring opportunities. There was one point, you know, I don't know if you saw where, where Bruno got the ball and he was about 40 yards out and he tried to shoot. And Mason went crazy. Mason kind of threw his hands up in the air. Because really, if he just feeds that ball through the channel, Mason's in on the right-hand side. And you know what? Mason Greenwood from 20 yards is a much better bet than Bruno Fernandes from 35 or 40. And that was the kind of creativity we needed. 
We needed the leaders to take the ball and say, right, I'm going to make the game-winning pass. But no one really did that today. They looked tired, they looked jaded, and they looked kind of flat. And Arsenal worked all that out. Arsenal played round United, and they were just the better team, even though they won with a with a dodgy penalty, ultimately. No, look, you have to give credit where credit is due. I thought Arsenal's defensive shape was fantastic. I thought they worked really hard. They pressed us. At the end of the day, they didn't have much threat going forward. I was talking to, I was messaging my mate during the game. He's a big Arsenal fan. And he, they were very, Arsenal fans were very worried to play against us, by the way. You probably know that as well. You're speaking to a few Arsenal fans. They were very worried. They looked at our forward options and they thought we're going to get absolutely trashed here. At the end of the day, we just didn't turn up. And look, there's a question here from Onkra saying, how will things pan out after the next game on international international break? I mean, what will make it tick? That's difficult to say, but I'll tell you what I would like us to do. I'd like us to start playing more with the more with our best sides. So that means that I'd like to see Axel Tunzebi come back into that defence. I'd like to see us go to a three. I think that's important. We have a bit of issue, obviously, with Tellez, but I still think you could still play Luke Shaw in that left wing back position. I just want to see United go to that that shape where I think ultimately we played our best football. I thought we were better at PSG than we were against Leipzig, if I'm being honest with you. I thought we looked much more comfortable. And I'd also like to see Cavani integrated a little bit more because I think that someone of Cavani Zilk and someone was saying this to me today that in David Ornstein's podcast they were talking about Cavani and he was saying that the impact he's had behind the scenes is massive he works so hard he's been exemplary in training he's been like what was Roy Keane saying about Cavani today what did he say about Cavani he, was, and he didn't even warm up I watched him he didn't even warm up he's lazy he didn't warm up it's like oh dear okay <laughs> So I would like to see Cavani integrated a bit more. He needs to get his fitness up, but he's someone I think you can have a big impact. Look, I was positive after Leipzig, and I'm I, and I still think that's why I keep on. Reason why I'm frustrated, and the reason why it seems like I'm only out is because I look at this squad and I know it's got quality. I don't care what anyone says. I know there's quality in this squad. I know what it's capable of. So when I say I'm upset and I'm annoyed, it's not because I, I just want to change a manager because I want to see more out of the squad because I know that they're very capable and people can blame the players, but you do have to bring it back to the manager as well at times when things don't go well. And when it goes right, you praise him. And that's what I did. You know, this, we did the show, but, but most fans don't when it goes yeah. well, like, you know, there were a lot of people kind of saying United won five nil and it's got nothing to do with Ole. Yeah, so, so, so there, there is a flip of it for, for me. Hey guys, two things, right. In terms of what can you change? One is Anthony Martial. United have had to play this whole period without their primary number nine, right? So I said after the Leipzig game, what's been good certainly is that United haven't seemed to kind of have missed him too much in terms of the, the run of games where he's been out. But losing him for that period does set you back in your training because he's the guy that you kind of go to. And going forward now, obviously, he'll be available in the Premier League. But I think the other big side of it is that it worked so well in Paris. You know, it was really, really good in Paris that you had Tellez playing as a wingback. And since that game, because obviously he's not been available, United haven't played with wingbacks. So Ole obviously looks at that as a problem. Like you just said, that Luke Shaw can play wingback. Well, I tell you what, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's got a better idea than you and me about who can play as wingback, not, not, not us. So he feels obviously that Luke can't. So that's, you know, I think you see the way that Luke Shaw gets up and down the pitch. I think that he can be your kind of progressive fullback in a four. Do I really see him as a, as a genuine wingback in a kind of five in midfield? Probably not, because I think his final ball maybe isn't good enough. It used to be when he was a kid, he had a, a fantastic cross on him. And there was a couple of points today where he got the ball and he he kind of slashed his foot through the ball. And you thought, oh, wow, that was a good cross that towards the back post. Yeah, but he doesn't do it often enough. 
yeah, he doesn't do it often enough, and that's a problem. And, and I think maybe we should refer to some of the questions in a minute. We've got loads of questions coming up, and we should answer them and kind of interact with our audience a bit more. But I kind of, I think to myself, United have got those big options still to come back with Tellez and, and Martial. For me, it's not about Cavani. Cavani is an experienced head that's going to sit on the bench and give you an option from the bench, a better option than Agarlo. There will be games that he starts in rotation, but for me, we have one number nine, and then we have backup number nines. And we still have to stick with uh, Anthony Martial. He's got the numbers to prove it. You know, he, he looks so good in terms of like playing the role compared to what he was doing a year ago. And this is why I say that Ole's improved individuals. You know, I think that Anthony Martial is now a bona fide number nine. A year ago, I was writing that he wasn't. A year ago, I was saying he's not good enough to play as a, as a bona fide number nine. Uh, and we just need to see more from some players. You know, we need to see consistency and to be fair to people like McTominay and to Fred, they have been consistent this season. They've played quite well, but they're just not creative entities. And you can't fix that overnight. That's something to fix in future transfer windows where you might say, right, do you know what? We're not going to go after a Sancho because he's £100 million, but we will go after maybe a central midfielder that fits that. You know, we look at Partey, obviously what he's done at uh, Arsenal. And uh, today they kind of said, oh, he's a bit of a throwback midfielder. And I kind of thought, well, what does that mean? What's a throwback yeah. midfielder? He's a bit of a six. He's a bit of an eight. He's a bit, we can kind of do it all. He can kind of do it all. He is a box to box, but he's not really a box to box. You know, he just, he's just very efficient in possession. Just, you know, he makes the right kind of challenges. He looks after territory a lot better than say maybe other Arsenal players have done in the last two or three years. So he looks great and everyone's like, wow, really excited, obviously, at Arsenal. But United maybe need to fix those things going forward. But when there's no transfer window open, you can't fix it. You have to go with what you've got. And United brought five players in. They have to make it work. They need more from, Pog from Pogba. Today, they needed more from Rashford. They needed more from Bruno. You know, they needed more from Fred and McTominay. They needed more from the fullbacks. If these guys don't do it, you lose. And today, they only lost by 1-0 because of a penalty. And it was close in that, in that aspect. So I don't think these guys are going to be going back. They'll be gutted that they lost, obviously, especially to a big club and a direct rival for the top four. I think that's always the bigger question. Um, like you said, They'll be looking at a league table. The table doesn't lie and all of those things. But it's not a disaster that people think it is. And I think we've seen more positives in the last, say, five games where we were saying, well, was Ole going to get the sack than not? However, if he loses in Istanbul and it's bad and the players look flat and whatnot and it's an unexpected defeat and it would be, wouldn't it, in Istanbul, all bets are off. Yeah. And this is what I want to quickly say is that I don't understand why people think you're so Oli in because you've said from, from the start since we started doing podcasts together, it's a results-based... Uh, I keep saying it's going to get sacked. <laughs> yeah, people keep saying you're Oli in. <laughs> you know, it's actually quite funny because you do yeah. say it. You said, look, he's probably going to get sacked. Yeah. Look, that's not what we want. I want United to win. I want United it's to do like, well. It's a bit like being Mourinho out. You know, people say, oh, you're you completely Mourinho out. And like you've said this to me before, and I wrote so many pro-Mourinho yeah, pieces in the, in the first two years saying, this is the guy I want to take forward. And I had my peers telling me that I was mad and that Mourinho would take the club backwards and wouldn't win titles and wouldn't win the Premier League and it would be boring and slow and horrible. And I went, no, it won't. He'll change. He can change. I believe in Jose. I believe in Jose until I stopped believing in Jose. Yeah. And I think it's the same with Ole. I just think he needs a little bit of time. And and But I, I also understand that football isn't a kind of infinite business. You don't get, you know, maybe the time that you want. And he understands that. And I do think that Pochettino is a great manager. I really do. I, I, I really rate him. And I think that, 
he does have different ideas to Ole. You know, certainly does in terms of maybe the tactics and the and the technical side of the game. You know, he might take Luke Shaw and make him better again, like he did at Southampton. You know, Luke Shaw loves Pochettino. There's lots of little upsides you see with Poch. And, you know, I think we'll probably be discussing him more in weeks to come. But <laughs> is there any other questions as well? Yeah, like, what, what, what are people coming up on your side there? What went wrong today? I mean, just give three things, Rob. I mean, I, we've spoken about What went wrong late. today? Fullbacks weren't good enough. Midfield, not good enough. And generally, players not being good enough on the ball technically to keep United popping. Really difficult for Lindelof, player I've criticised repeatedly for the last year. I don't think he's good enough, but I think he's been playing well. But when he brought the ball out into the midfield today, you could see he kind of got his head up and was looking on a swivel and there was nothing on for him. Nothing. Yeah, he, he was then stopping and going, and you could see in his body shape, he was turning with the ball and going, right, my full back isn't bombing on. I can't turn inside to Maguire because he's too close to me. It's not Maguire's fault. And then I can't play an expansive ball out to Shaw because Shaw's too deep. So there were lots of that stuff. And, and, and I think that's really difficult for players within the game in in-game situations to fix that because you can't tell that player to go and do it. You can go and you can say it in their ear and say, look, I need you to push forward. But if they don't push forward, then you can't change every player on the pitch. You see, that's the problem. You can't say, well, seven of you are not doing it today, so I'll substitute all of you. It doesn't work like that. But I think that's what we're wrong today. There were too many players that had bad games but for yeah. me the eternal question is fullbacks every top team that wins does it because they've got a great yeah. attacking fullbacks who take your whole team this way towards the top end of the pitch and then your creative players have got space because when the ball finds them they can play between the lines Absolutely. I'm going to read out three more questions, guys. Guys, thank you so much for all the interaction. It's been great. I've enjoyed it. I have also, obviously, I'm I'm pissed off. <laughs> Rob is a voice of reason. But, you know, I think uh, as well, some, some of mine, I know me personally, some of my reservations or anger, I think sometimes is is warranted. I'll just put that in before uh, I get called not the voice of reason. But um, look, we've, we've got one here. I can't see the comments, uh, by the way. So you're only seeing the comments and I'm not. So yeah. I don't know. I have no idea what people are saying. <laughs> about you but they, they were further up so i think they're not in the stream anymore but um lokesh is a double pivot going to be good for us look it's it's the thing is rob isn't it it's double pivot i think is going to work fantastically well in the three at the back because you've got that extra cover behind but when you're playing when you have when you have you know sort of four at the back and it's fred mctominay then the double pivot for me doesn't really work i mean you talk about double pivot single pivot after the um, restart, we had Matic and Pogba playing there, and it worked fantastically well. So, you know, and I still think that United's best midfield when on form and the balance is Matic, Pogba and Bruno, in, in my opinion. Like, the idea of the double pivot, single pivot, just break it down a little bit and what United should be doing. Okay, well, there's no double pivot today. There wasn't supposed to be to start off with. You can't play double pivot in this kind of what people call a diamond system. So you have a single pivot. That's how you play it. You, It's up to your wider players in midfield to go and do the work, to go and make the space and to support defensively and offensively. So we didn't see any of that today. Didn't work. You know, as we said, McTominay wasn't really at the base uh, playing double pivot. They kind of swapped him and Fred a couple of times. Fred looked really good on the right-hand side of that midfield playing against Leipzig. He did all the work, yeah, got forward, he got back. Yeah. McTominay isn't really talented on the front foot to do that. I wouldn't say that he's kind of a terrible player, but that's not his role. So that's up to Ole to kind of change that and look at those things. Uh, United will go back to playing a double pivot. Why? Because that's what Ole plays. I keep saying this every every week almost. 
Ole likes playing 4 2 3 1 because it just gives him the foundations to build the house. So it means that you've got four attacking players in front of you, two players who sit and protect two slow centre backs, but then you need your full backs to go and work. And they don't do it. And this is the problem week in, week out and has been an issue for a long time. We need to see more from Luke Shaw. We need to see more from Aaron Wambasaka. And then you kind of look at yourself and say, right, well, how do I maybe play through the middle a bit better? It might be the case that you do bring in someone like Tuan Zabi, who's a ball player as well, who could play, you know, who's got the pace to kind of cover a little bit more. But then you have to make the huge decision about which one goes out of Lindelof and which one goes out of Maguire. And that is a difficult uh, decision at this time. And I think Ole will be leaning towards not dropping his two centre-backs at the moment, who, to be fair, played really well the last few games when they've played together. And that's difficult. Like, I don't think today United lost because of the centre-backs. It wasn't the centre-backs' fault. You know, they lost today really because of the transition between the full-backs and midfield and because the forwards, the chances that they did create, they didn't really create anything smooth or... Glorious. They didn't work. The goalkeeper, Bruno, I didn't think had a great night in terms of his creativity. And they just needed a little bit more in terms of cohesion between those players. Lots of little things went wrong rather than one huge failure. Uh, and, and the centre-backs were fine, you know, I think today. And they didn't look exposed. And Lindelof looks quite confident, dare I say it. You know, he looks like a player who wants to play and wants to improve and wants to play the system. Um, but they'll play double pivots because it's just a more protective system. And it's a, I think it's a cop-out. You know, I'd rather see United play three at the back and play risk and reward football through midfield. That's what we are. That's the football club we are. And I don't think Ole doesn't want to play it. You know, whenever we've talked to United coaching staff and people behind the scenes, there's no doubt that that is the philosophy. They want to play risk and reward football. But you can't play it against every club. So people understand when you go to PSG away, they go, oh, you want to kind of lock the door a little bit more, but you're going to play a three, you're going to play between the lines, you're going to keep control. But at home against Arsenal, everyone goes, no, all out attack. But you can't always do that either. And he did the right thing changing it today. And it almost worked, but individuals just stank today. A lot of individual performances that were just nowhere near. Like, like if you're looking at kind of the average being six or seven out of 10 on an every week basis, Way too many played three, four, five today. And you can't fix that even just with substitutes and formations. Yeah, and I think also, like you said, the issue wasn't defence today at all because they didn't create no. anything, really. No, quite the was Defensively on the back foot, you know. For the game, it was my my thoughts initially when I saw the starting lineup is that this can work, this, this lineup, this formation, but it's that transition from defence to attack. And we didn't do that at all. And that was yeah. a problem for me. I read out. One more question today. And was there any more questions from earlier at all from people obviously said it earlier who've been watching? Uh, there's a lot of comments there, Rob. <laughs> so um, I'll read out two more questions. We here. like lots of comments. Thank you for your comments. Yeah, Honestly, guys, we'll do. We'll look to do this probably once a month, won't we, Rob? Uh, a live one because it's yeah, we'll do a live one, definitely. Um, so NZZZ, how do okay. we solve the right wing back problem? Palestri doesn't look ready yet for the first team. Diallo not in until January, still no natural right winger. I personally, I don't think we've got an issue at right wing back. I think Wambasaka can do it. Like obviously, he's not as good, but I think when you've got Tellez on the other side, who's going to be a massive player for Man United, I think we're forgetting that Tellez will change the dynamic completely. I think. And when you looked at the position map against PSG, Tellez was almost like a left winger. Shaw looks better as a left centre back. The balance is just there, Rob, and I just think that looking at us with wingers. Well, it worked after restart as well. We had Greenwood, Marcel and Rashford playing in that front three. I just think that we've got to change it 
we can change it game by game, but I, I still think, and people are saying one loss, Umka's saying one loss. My my issue is, Rob, is that it's not one loss. It's three three losses now, four losses in six games or three losses in six games. And that's the issue. And I think we still need to find something that works in the Premier League. Because we found something that works in Europe, but in the Premier League, our bread and butter, that's the most important thing. We've got to find it. And the three at the back should be the way forward, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, it, it is one loss in five. You know, so you can kind of go back as far as you want or whatever you want to call it. Facts are funny things, aren't they, at the end of the day? But ultimately, yeah, this, this is what I mean. This is what we try not to do in terms of like arguing about these these stats because it, it is about the future. It's about looking forward. Now, what was I would say about those wingback uh, questions, and I think they are really, really important, is that Manchester United do not have the wingback variation to play these systems. So United can do it when people are fit. So the big issue here is Tellez. So if Tellez is not fit, I I believe that Ole thinks that he can't play with wingbacks. I think that because these formations lean towards saying that that's what he believes. In Paris, he played it, didn't he? Against Neymar and Mbappe. And he risked it and he got the rewards and United won the game. And United played through PSG and PSG were quite stale in the middle of the park and United played perfectly against that it worked absolutely well to kind of counter and get the ball down and play from the wings now you just said that you think Wambasaka can play as a wing back I don't see any statistical suggestion that that's true you know at the moment I think that he played as a winger at Crystal Palace when he was a kid and he should have some kind of winger dynamic about his game but I don't see that's him try I don't see He's him coached out it's been coached out of him, but what I'll say is this yeah when he gets himself into those positions he doesn't have what I call a kind of trick in that situation. So quite often, sometimes you'll nudge the ball, nudge the ball, go, and then smash the ball across or kind of flick the ball across. And it's really easy to read. He doesn't have maybe the kind of skill set. I know the comparison is bad, but when you look at someone like Trent at Liverpool, you know, Trent will, will sometimes go, you know, do you know what? I'm not going past the last man. I'll do what David Beckham used to do. I'm just going to swing it in from deep and go over the penalty spot. And I know that my attacker on the left side will read that and will make that run. So if you're a fullback playing that and playing the wingback system, that's really good for your, your attackers to know that. They know with Aaron Wambasaka that they're not getting that ball. So that's a problem. So I think United going forward, like you talked about Delo, and, and I think Delo has got the ability to play as a wingback, but I just think that his time at Manchester United is done because the general consensus is that he's had chances over a period of time. He's had lots of injuries, lots of setbacks, but in the games that he's even played in the under-23s, he's not been good enough. So why would you give him a chance stepping up into the next, into the first team? So I think he's gone. I think United need to do what they did with Tellez. I think they need to find a right wing-back who's going to come into the football club and will automatically, directly challenge Aaron Wambasaka because Aaron might be the right player to play for United on that side in years to come, but it's not. He's nowhere near there at the moment. I w I don't look at him as any kind of effective right-sided wing back, and I think that that's a problem then for the whole balance of the right-hand side. I would say that I'm not that worried about um, Mason Greenwood playing on the right-hand side of attack. He'll still get you 20 goals this season. Don't worry about that. You know he will still well, get you goals. Well. Yeah, and he did. I thought it was. Sorry, I what thought was he was much more. 
worked harder as well. Defensively, he was okay today. I, I wouldn't have taken him off. You know, I think at that point, I think he was starting to just get a little bit more space, and I'd have liked to have seen him maybe just play all the way to the end of the game. But of course, he's not had all of the training. He's been out of the team. He had a little bit of a knock a couple of weeks ago. So these things are all factors at the end of the day. We stuff that we don't see that comes up in the medical reports. But what I would I would say is that right hand side there is a, a problem with balance. And United don't have natural width from the fullbacks. They've got some youngsters who maybe be able to do it and might have a, a shock impact. In someone I'd be looking at. Sorry, who was that? Eventually, eventually he's someone. Sorry, I lost you there again, mate. Led. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. You know, he 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 is the kind of guy. You know, in the sense of looking for a chance. You know, we talked about Mengi, haven't we, at centre back as well? That we have got some really, really, really good youngsters who are not that far away. Yeah, they, they look like they just need a chance sometimes. And it might be a case that Ole goes, no, this is a system I'm going to play. I'm going to play three at the back. Two and Zabi comes into my team. But what do I do on the right? Do I want to stick and keep someone like Aaron, who is defensively obviously very, very good, and we know that and can tackle? Or do you bring in one of the kids? Or do you go and buy someone? And we have got a transfer window not that far away. It might be a case that come January that United go, do you know what? We're going to go straight back into the transfer market even if they get someone for 15, 20 million, you know, like we said with Tellez in terms of that price bracket, you can get some real value at fullback if you go hunting high and low. And I think United do need some more strength from that right-hand side uh, at fullback. Certainly more, I would say, than the right wing. At the moment, we talk about the right side of attack. I think your attacks come from your fullbacks. That's all the best teams do it that way. That's the modern way. Said that, and that's something which I've been saying for a long time is that United's fullbacks just aren't good enough going forward. And the bar's pretty low when people do say, Oh, Luke Shaw had a good game. Well, Luke Shaw, yeah, okay, he can, he's decent defensively at times, but at the end of the day, he's often next to nothing going forward for me. And that's a problem. And Rob, I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna bring up the last question here from Alan, and he's asking, which goes on nicely because you were talking about going in in January, and he's asking if you're allowed to make one transfer this January, which position both. Well, I'd like to say I, I'm very uh, grateful to accept the director of football role at Manchester United. And uh, this is my philosophy going forward. Do you know what? It's a really, really, really difficult one because in terms of January in your business, you never there's never really the kind of multiple options. You kind of have to look at maybe your weakest link and just say, right, that's what we're going to we're gonna focus on. So, for instance, United brought in a Galo last year and the whole thing in terms of bringing in players – in uh, kind of unattractive periods is that you might have to pay more money for them. They, they're not long-term targets. What do you actually do? I think when you look at the positions, if you can buy a right back and find someone who is going to be a competitive member of the squad, and I mean that you could play them in a game like today, you know, against a really good opponent like Arsenal, then you go out and you execute that business and you go and find a right back. So today, I would like to see a right back that would come in and would compete with Aaron because I think Aaron's deficiencies of whether it be ball retention, decision making. I was really concerned with Aaron today when the ball came across and he does it all the time. Whereas when the ball's on the opposite side of the pitch and the ball comes over, he comes too narrow. Yeah. And he gets caught and he allows the, the, the striker to come around the back of him. And it happened twice today. He didn't get punished. He got lucky. You know, it could have lost in those moments just because of Wambasaka. But what I want to see is an attacking fullback. And there isn't really kind of anyone you can kind of just say straight away, yeah, let's go to that club and nick him and pay the money and and drop him into your side. 
And I think that's what's difficult for football clubs and for Manchester United specifically as well. But there wouldn't be someone in the midfield. Like I look at the balance and I would say, no, if you if you have got Matic and Fred and McTominay, then bringing in another defensive midfielder doesn't make sense. I wouldn't try and bring in another Pogba S player. There is, you, you've got um, obviously the signing of Van der Beek and we can't even fit him in the team at the moment. So, you know, you can't buy another midfielder that does the creative stuff in the kind of number 10 or number eight roles. So what do you do? Matters playing more games. So we're not even talking about someone in that position. Strikers, Cavani, we've, we've got four really good forwards now who would get in most teams. You know, we've got two top-class goalkeepers. So we seem to be pretty good in most positions. So if you're going to do anything... Which is why, because I can see that yeah, exactly. and that's why, and that's why it does stick with Ole. Because ultimately, you know, he, I think he has got a good squad. I don't think it's a, a championship winning squad. I don't think it's a top two squad at the moment. You know, like I saw some nice. of the remarks there. What, what people saying like we're we're nine points behind Liverpool or something like that already? Yeah, we probably are. We're, that's probably about the right amount. Liverpool are probably about nine points better than us as a as a squad as a as a team. Now fans don't want to want to admit that. You know, at the end of the day, because they kind of want to get closer to Liverpool, and that's what we want to see. But I don't think United are quite there yet, and I think it might take another one or two transfer windows to really kind of close the gap. But for Ole, he's got to still be in that top four long term to compete, because I don't think he'll get away with it this season. Last year, that that trajectory, he had that path of unbeaten run of 24, 25 games, or whatever it was in the end before they got beaten. I don't think he'll get that long this time because because of Pochettino being available. And I think that it might well be this kind of shock sacking. Like we might get up one morning and just it might just be done tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. You you know, it it really does. I I do think that's how it happened. I think it will be swift and fast, and it will be. Thank you very much, Ole. Ole is in that precarious situation now with this contract. Is that essentially is running down? It wouldn't cost a lot to get rid of him, and if they could get Pochettino for maybe the price they wanted. Then it changes everything again. Now, then we're talking about every player again, aren't we? We're saying, you know, he probably would get one of the rid of the two centre backs. You know, he might play two and Xavier. He might say, no, I want to go out and buy Alfa Meccano in January and I want 60 million quid. Or he might say that, you know, I'm not happy with to- uh, Tony Martial as my forward and I want a hundred million pound striker. Suddenly it all changes massively. What's this? So if Ole ends up being sacked, does the recruitment system fall apart given that we still don't have a director of football? Yes, it does. That's the truth. And that, and this is the issue I have as a journalist and as a, a kind of trying to look at it on a long-term scale. I think the scouting setup at United is the best it's been since Fergie left. Fergie kept it in kind of very small amounts in that he had trusted scouts, including mem- members of his family and people that he knew, and that went and did jobs for him abroad and gave him kind of real-time feedback. And it worked really well. It gave him a kind of really good balance of the transfer market even though he told everyone that was no there was no value in it you know ultimately in the, the day but Ole has replicated that and the scouting network is so much better now than it ever was under Mourinho under Mourinho it was a joke it was a really inflated uh, scouting system it was Van Gaal's fault they had like 70 yeah, scouts so operating they had no one they trusted either you know it was just people there had people and people and people and people everywhere and it was like and they weren't signing anyone good and you were like why is this you know so the scouting system has improved massively and I don't think Ole's had a really kind of stinker of a signing yet. We've not looked at anyone, have we, in two years and said, oh, he signed him and he's been awful. You know, that was the wrong kind of signing. Culturally, I think he's made the right signings. And there should be more to come from players like Palestri, 
from Diallo, who we've not really even seen yet. Obviously, it'd be the United uh, next January. And I think we will see more from Van der Beek. I'm, I'm assured of it. I really am. I, I rate him as a player. But then I think it's also the existing talent. You know, those guys have got to go up a level. I said Luke Shaw could be Manchester United's player of the year this season, but only if he plays the best football of his career. Yeah, if he gets seven or eight or nine assists and looks great on the left and tells, and this was before Teller signed, by the way, then you would say, you know, Luke Shaw stepped up and he's had an incredible season. I've not seen Luke Shaw step up. I think he's playing okay. I don't think he's having terrible games. But you like today you needed Luke Shaw to say, no, I'm getting the ball and I'm going to run past my last man and I'm going to take the ball into the final third and either cross that ball in or play cute ball inside to Bruno on the edge of the box or bring the ball to Pogba on that side. He's got options. But if you don't take the ball forward, then you might as well have no options at the end of the day. Exactly. And that's that's look, that's where my frustration stems from. Like I said, is that there are quality. And you're saying, who would you bring in? Well, I think Lamptey is someone from Brighton. I know he's he's just been at Chelsea, but he's he's a good attacking fullback. I wouldn't young. Have him. You wouldn't have him. Not good enough. Sorry. It's not good enough. You know, like, look, look if, we, if we are looking at these, the, the whole of these things, we, we're looking at these talents who can come in, you develop them and take them in. So I'm looking for my next kind of Robertson. Right. That's what I would look for. You know, you might have to go down the divisions and go and get him. Now, Lamptey's fine. He's looked really, really good for Brighton, hasn't he? Yeah. He's had, yeah. he's had good games. Is Lamptey a championship winning future fullback? Well, we don't know people, that, at, no. people yeah, at Chelsea didn't think that. so. People at Chelsea didn't think so. That's why they flogged him. So it's not that I trust Chelsea's people more than, say, Brighton's people, but I think Brighton is his level. And I think that he could be better in time to come. But I think he needs time to develop and play games. Now, if he came to Man United, I would probably play Wan-Bissaka in front of him seven out of ten times, just because he's defensively so much better. I would then feel worried. I want a Tellez. Go and get me a Tellez, please, someone. You know, someone who is mature and doesn't need development, and can you drop him in and actually has a bit of savvy, an international player. Lamptey's not an international player, he's a kid. Nah, you know? nah, I yeah. wouldn't have Lamptey. And this is the problem, is that we can name fullbacks we like or have done well or have done well in our fantasy football teams. You can go and buy a Cresswell. Yeah, you know, Cresswell's done really, really well. Got great numbers for West Ham. You know, he's, he's an England international. I don't, I wouldn't buy Cresswell. He's not good enough. So, you know, it's kind of, it's, it's a difficult situation. It depends on where you yeah, that depends then because people say, hmm. oh, are we going to bring players in to come into the first team and take people's places? But actually looking at the first team, purely personnel-wise, Rob, there are a few gaps in there. But hmm. left-back, obviously, we signed Tellez. I think possibly at centre-back if Tuan Zabi doesn't step up, step up. You could say on the right wing. But looking at the midfield, even striker, even left wing, I don't think I'd change very much. And that's the point. And that's, that's where it comes back to. That's where it comes back to that. This United squad is much better, as we know, than 15th. Yeah. This Man United squad is very, very capable. And we need to sort of step out of the out of the idea that, oh, like, we're not as good as... Our, we are. We've got enough quality. We have more quality in our team today and on the bench than Arsenal did. Seven of those Arsenal players who started today, you wouldn't have them in a Man United starting Only team. Only and Gabriel, who I probably would have taken. Aubameyang, yeah, obviously he's a quality player. Wouldn't have Lacazette. Wouldn't take Willian either, if I'm being honest with you. I'd rather have Mason over Willian. Mm -hmm. And looking at the defence, I probably wouldn't have taken any of the defenders. So yeah. that's... So I, I think player. you need to look for players who have either got experience, like Tellez, or a huge load of upside in terms of their value as a kid, or maybe say someone who's 21, 22, already played a hundred games, maybe is on the, on the path to their development. So that's exactly what, uh, what Liverpool did 
uh, with with uh, Robertson because they took him from Hull for nine million pound and they didn't play him for a year. And everyone went, oh, it's a terrible sign that they bought him for nine million quid. What a waste of nine million quid. No, that's what you do. You have to bring in those players and say, right, I'm going to take him on. Like you just you just spoke about Ethan. You know, do you go and send him out on loan and make sure he gets the game so he's ready next year? You know, it's the same question for for Mengi and also for Two and Zabi to an extent. Do you sit them on your bench and never play them, or do you get them minutes? And I think for United in the January transfer window, they need to find players that fit those kind of moulds. We need more players. We need more leaders on the pitch. It's absolutely true. I, I don't think you can have, ever have enough leaders. I don't believe you need the armband to be a leader. I've always said this. I think we when we under Fergie. I think, all I think we had. I think we had fifteen under Fergie. You know, I think I yeah. think you could say that the guys who weren't playing every week, whether it be John O'Shea and Darren Fletcher, they were leaders. Yeah, they understood what it meant. And part of that cultural reboot, I think Ole is still in the process of doing. And I think he has been successful to an extent. But, you know, do I see like today, do I think Aaron Wan-Bissaka is a leader? No. Do I think that Lindelof is a leader? No. Do I think that Luke Shaw is a leader to an extent, but but still needs to do more? The midfield, do I think Pogba's a leader? Not really. I think he's a dressing room leader. He talks to people. Do I think Fred is a leader? No. Do I think Scotty could be a leader? Yes, but he has attributes that he needs to sort out himself in terms of the game. Is Bruno a leader? Yes. Is um, yeah. um, uh, 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 Rashford Mark. a leader? Yes. Is Mason a leader? I'd say he was still a kid. So, the, you know, the jury's out on that. There's there's a lot of room there for leadership. However, you can't solve that in the in the click of a of finger. You have to go and look for your leaders who are going to do it for you maybe over a five or ten year period. And United have been suffering from that for for years. It's a really it's not a new thing. And today you could have done with a leader out there who just settled it down. But really, that's up to those players who are out there who, who've got that responsibility, isn't it? You know, if Bruno doesn't have a good game and comes off and gets pulled after 75 minutes, he didn't really play well today. That's that's on him. He is one of the leaders of the football club. He won't be going back in the dressing room going, oh, I'm getting into you and getting into you and getting into you as a leader, because I think he'll be looking at himself and going, I didn't play well enough today. And that can happen, even if you've got someone who is a really good leader and... It, it's a it's a problem that Ole's going to have to solve over time. There is no transfer window that solves it in one go because you never can just buy your leader. You just have to find them over time. I think Tu and Zabi's a leader. I think exactly. Mengi's a leader. These two boys, that's all you keep hearing from the coaching staff, you know, and people from behind the scenes, the first word they use is say, they are leaders. They are vocal. They don't take any BS. They take responsibility. They believe in their talent. And I think eventually they will be starting centre-backs, but not today. You know, as we said, the issue wasn't really um, Maguire and Lindelof today, was it? No, not at all. Not at all. And that's the thing. And look, Rob, we've probably got to wrap up. We want to do an hour, but hit an hour and a half, which is it's always fun. But um, look, last word I'm going to ask you to say, look, difficult performance today. What are the positives we can take out of it? And do you have any concerns? Because I think that so a lot of people do have concerns, Me, myself included, not with Europe, with our league form, because we've got a very tough game against Everton. I know they had a few players out today and they lost, but um, they've been playing very well this season. Yeah, but you know what? I watched Everton before. What, today? I, Everton played worse than Man United today. Oh, it was shocking today. They yeah. were absolutely so, shocking. So, uh, again, we, we, we can use the hypothesis of Everton are at near the top of the league, but without their six main players, yeah. they are not a very good team. So yeah, I think if Manchester United come up against that Everton team without those players back, and we're hearing that, uh, obviously that James Rodriguez probably will be back, then they're not going to beat Man United. 
I don't think so. But what I will say is this, what am I worried about? What am I not worried about? I think that United not having any injuries today is a positive because I think you can take that set of boys away and say, right, let's go and fix it. And they'll go and try and fix it on the training ground. And this is the, the, the kind of weird thing of it. They go and play against Istanbul and play great. And we see two and Zabi play. Yeah. And Pogba has a worldie. And Anthony Martial comes back, scores a hat trick. What are we going to be saying? We're going to be doing a, a masterclass on how great Ole is again. And no one will be talking about Pochettino. Yeah. So this is how fragile opinion can be. And why I always try and sit somewhere in the middle because we're never right and we're never wrong. And what I will say is this. I think that Ole does need to keep winning. You know, he has to get this league form correct because there is this guy who wants his job. And I wouldn't be surprised if knowing Edward would like, I think I do in terms of how he operates. It's definitely behind, behind the back. He's going to stab all in. I, 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 think, I, I think ultimately we knew very early on in the press that Jose Mourinho was going to take over from Louis van Gaal. And we knew that because that was what Manchester United were basically telling everyone. Yeah. So it, it it's how it works. You know, it's how the United machine works. And like Louis van Gaal said, when he won the FA Cup, that he had no idea that he was going to get sacked. That also was a lie. He he absolutely knew months in advance that this was coming and that Mourinho didn't have a job and Mourinho was ready. You know, they were selling scarves outside Old Trafford with Mourinho on his face, on on them. Yeah, that was but like... January transfers. Do you not remember? He had a few players lined up, and they cancelled them because absolutely, absolutely. Because I think once you stop, once you stop believing in the manager, you don't want to give him any more money. So this is why they spent 80, 90 million in this window for Ole. I don't think they were trying to get rid of Ole at that point. That However, my my that you know it did echo a little bit Mourinho's final season where he wanted all these targets. He got five give, players. Yeah, they, he, got, he got five okay. players. And, and I don't think, like I just said like the other day, you know, take this result out of it. I think the transfer window was all right for United in the end. Not perfect. You know, like had they got Sancho for 108 million, does that make Man United suddenly loads better? I don't think it does, not personally. Uh, not, in ter- not in terms of the shape and, and the personnel and maybe the depth. What was good today, and I think maybe in the last few weeks we've seen this, is that the depth on the bench now gives United options. So players don't play well. We've actually got a squad. You know that can that can go out there and do it and actually change it around. So I think Van der Beek will now start in the next game. You know I, I think he will actually play, and if he plays well, then I think he'll stay in the team. So the players have got to prove it first and foremost. But I also think Ole has to try and mitigate whatever he believes is wrong. So if the fullbacks aren't working. He's got to find ways around it. He's got to find solutions. You know, you know, square pegs through round holes. You know, you've got to find ways to make your systems work if you haven't got the perfect personnel in those positions. And he hasn't. He hasn't, not in every position. However, he has got a squad that I think could take him forward. But I wouldn't be surprised that, you know, if Ed gets the chance to get rid of him because Pochettino is already done, then it's just a waiting game, isn't it? It's just a case of, you know, you wait until United have lost maybe one or two, or like I said, Istanbul, if that goes wrong, and suddenly it's done. And that was really, you know, like Van Gaal won the FA Cup and got sacked. So he actually won a trophy yeah. and got sacked the next day. So it, it, Manchester United have got, got real good previous for this. And they, they flirted with Mourinho for months and months and months and months until he got the job. I believe they've been flirting with Pochettino for a similar amount of time. If they feel that he's the guy to take the club forward, so be it. You have to say thank you to Ole and goodbye. And then we go with someone who I believe is a world-class manager. But at the moment, 
I'd like to stick with Ole because I think all this merry-go-round of, tra- of of basically getting rid of a manager after two years, you know, you come third, you're not happy because you've lost one game in five or whatever, or, you know, you can kind of look at the record until you're blue in the face, like I said earlier. Um, I, I'm not into it. I don't think it works. I think you have to be patient. And sometimes when it hurts, that's when you've got to go and clean the cut up and put the Band-Aid on and just suck it up and get on with it and go to the next game. And I think that's what these lads will be doing. I don't think they'll be sat there going, we don't want this manager or we want Pochettino or anything negative like that. That will be just for the pundits to say. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that final word about this, this idea of a toxic dressing room. Since I'm playing for you, I just, you know, for me, there needs to be improvements. Whatever we say, six games in or whatever, there has to be improvements. And, and that's what I want to see because... That's what you should be judged on. So, Rob, thank you very much as well for joining me today. It's an absolute pleasure. And we will be back, won't we, next week on what Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm not too sure. Um, probably a Wednesday, I think it was. I can't remember what the game is. But, Champions um, League, Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, But just thanks yeah. to everyone who's joined us today as well. And obviously, you know, this was a little bit of a kind of experiment. We did know that uh, – what was that? Is there, is there pee on your cap for Pochettino? Oh, God, you, the subliminal <laughs> message came through. And – <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, Mauricio's the man. But um, but thanks for joining us as well and putting in these questions because I think the more people that join us in terms of spreading the podcast and supporting us, that allows us to give you more content and to uh, to be able to kind of try and back up our thoughts on the game. Absolutely. And look, the whole point of the podcast is so that it's not reactionary. And look, I, I'm very guilty of it. Ben, thank you for getting involved. You you commented the other day on one of our videos, and it's really great to have you on board, loving the podcast. But yeah, look, I can be guilty of it. We all can. But at the end of the day, the whole point of this, as, as Rob said at the beginning, to just cut through the BS and to really, really just break down how we play tactically and uh, try and not uh, jump on stuff like a lot of fan cams do. And NZNZ, Rob is a voice of reason. Listening is like therapy. He really is. He's a football therapist. Rob, that's the next cap you should get, to be honest. Football therapist. I need a T-shirt or something that says it. In yeah. kind of like, or, or, or I need a T-shirt that says something like, don't get too high and don't get too low. Because that's my mantra for life anyway. But I think yeah. it always applies well to football because winning is great and there's no better feeling than winning in a, a big match. Or, you know, I've been so lucky to watch United lift 13 Premier League trophies in the flesh with my eyes you know it's fantastic memories but ultimately I don't know if United are there at the moment so I think we've all got to just try and stay calm and defeats will happen that's the other side of it is that you will lose games today's performance wasn't good Ole needs to fix that but I don't know if you'll get long enough you know I just think that the wheels are in motion and the big P is waiting somewhere in the background very interesting that he's going to be on Sky TV on Monday I saw that get announced earlier on in the week. I thought I did laugh. Talk about the United Arsenal game because it's a big game in the weekend. And what you'll do is when you remember when Jose Mourinho was talking about Spurs, saying the teams that are going to win are the Premier League: Man City, Liverpool, Man mm. City, and uh, Spurs. We <laughs> talked about how well, I'll play Kane like this, I'll play someone like this. It was an audition, and and they knew it was going to happen. So, but Rob, look, thank you very much, and to all the listeners, make sure you hit the like button, hit the subscribe button because we're getting a lot of people watching our videos and, and listen to our podcast but you're not subscribed so smash that yeah. subscribe button because this isn't the only great show on the channel so thank you very much rob thank you again mate and we cheers mate you. and thank you to everyone and please spread the word and that's how we get this podcast out there and get other people hashtag the masterclass hashtag the masterclass and obviously follow us both at twitter absolutely thank you guys and we will see you next time
Sports Social Podcast Network. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.